Next on BYU Sports Nation, the BCS era goes out with a bang. What it means for college football in 2014 and beyond, and what it means for teams like BYU. The NCAA spotlight now shifts toward college hoops and the push to march. BYU basketball receives a midseason grade from former Cougar hoopster Travis Hansen. Plus, BYU All-American volleyball star Taylor Sander makes his debut on the show to get you set for the Cougars' 2014 home debut. Let's go. And now, live on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio, it's BYU Sports Nation with your hosts, Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan. We're talking it up. I I thought you were going to sing that on a Tuesday from SNL. BYU Sports Nation live from Studio 2 at BYU Broadcasting. I'm Spencer Linton. Teamed up with Jerem Jordan. One of us called for a Florida State National Championship win. The other did not. Man, what a game. So fun. Take that one, Pablo. American football trumps all other reality television once again. Wherever and however you Was one Pablo in The Bachelor? I'm not even going to answer that question. Okay. I I was confused. (laughs) Yes, yes. I thought that was a veiled reference to Hispanics for some reason. I was like, what? Why the shot? Nope. Nope, that, that, is, that is a shot at another prominent reality television that may or may not have made their premiere last night. Thank goodness for iPads and iPhones and computers. Yes. Here's looking at you. Because then the wife can still use TVs. Yes. The Re- TV. Referencing David, David Nixon. Nixon. We're talking to you, <laughs> David Nixon. Thanks for making this part of your day, by the way. Let's break out the news with our show starters. Skylar Halford, riding his wave of BYU Sports Nation karma, wins West Coast Conference Player of the Week honors after a 28-point outburst against San Diego last Saturday. The Cougs have some new faces in the hoops huddle as well, Jerem. Yeah, Jamal Eitz, the UNLV transfer, played uh, enough games to have to burn this year. Uh, after transferring from UNLV, he is now practicing with BYU as of yesterday. He will be able to play next year in a similar situation like Matt Carlino, who started after finals ended that fall semester. So next December, around I believe it's the 18th or 19th, he'll be able to play. Then Isaac Nielsen, a guy who gray-shirted. Gray-shirting is different than red-shirting in that you don't have enough credits to actually be... Uh, you're not a full-time student at in school, you're not practicing with the team. But you're at school, you're working out, that kind of thing. He's now back from a mission, and he'll do strength and conditioning uh, throughout the rest of the semester and prepare for next year. He's a 6'10 shot blocker. Tim Lacombe, assistant coach for the men's team, was in studio in November and told us that he scored 30 points against BYU uh, former players, some good ones, uh, in a pickup game over the summer two years ago. Holy so cow. he's good. Eitz is a 6'6", 6'6", post guy, by the way. So two guys that will hopefully help uh, mend the chasm known as Eric Mika's mission. Yes. He's going to be gone. BYU needs some good post play. So they're here. We'll talk BYU basketball in depth with former BYU standout and NBA guy Travis Hansen. How he grades the first half of BYU season. That happens in about 20 minutes. And what a way to wrap up the college football season. Awesome. Goodness. Florida State overcomes an 18-point deficit, largest in the BCS era, to beat Auburn 34-31 in I the National score. Championship. Heisman Trophy-winning quarterback, famous Jameis Winston, throws the game winner with 13 seconds left. It was his birthday. And he said, I don't care about that. I care about the fact that we're national champs. Are you strong? We strong? I'm strong? We strong. Yeah, that was, that was quite a post-game interview. Uh, at one point, Jameis shared the spotlight on ESPN's Elite 11 high school quarterback special with one Tanner Mangum. Interesting. A BYU quarterback now serving a two-year LDS mission. What's that all about? 
Yeah, Tanner Mangum and Jameis Winston were uh, a big deal coming out of high school. Tanner uh, redshirted after uh, after high school on a mission now. Uh, and so BYU expects good things from Tanner Mangum. You can, he's kind of penciled in right now as the Taysom Hill replacement. If you're not familiar with the Elite 11, uh, it's the top 11 high school quarterbacks or 11 of the top high school quarterbacks that ESPN and uh, this uh, alternate group gathered together for this campus competition. And Tanner, Jameis, and one other kid shared the MVP honors uh, at that camp that's led by uh, former Fresno State quarterback and Super Bowl champion Trent Dilfer. So pretty cool stuff right there. And, you, you know, if there's a BYU tie, guess what? We're going to find it. Absolutely. And there were two to last night's game. The other is that Auburn almost did something that BYU did in 84. Which, which was? Win the national title after starting unranked in the AP poll. Auburn almost did it. The 84 Cougars, the last team to pull that off. Auburn, just short. And lest we forget... BYU Connecticut one day closer. Countdown to Connecticut. 233. <laughs> 233 days before the Cougars and Huskies match up on the gridiron. Join our conversation by tweeting at BYU Sports Nation. Comment and like on our Facebook page and answer today's Twitter question. Which is fill in the blank. My lasting BCS impression is... Ooh. We want you to tell us how you really feel about the BCS. more editorial, the better. Just keep it appropriate for BYU Radio. You can listen to BYU Sports Nation weekdays at noon Eastern, 10 a.m. Mountain on Sirius XM Channel 143, BYUradio.org, the BYU Radio iOS app, and Dish Network Channel 980. Access our show on demand, BYUradio.org. Or if it's more convenient... Listen to the rebroadcast weekdays, 7 Eastern, 5 Mountain. Rise and shout, BYU Sports Nation. It's time for What's Trending. What's Trending in BYU Sports Nation. Topic 1. Goodbye, my old frenemy. The BCS is gone. Finished. Locked up. A thing of the past. See ya! Exciting for college football and its fans, but maybe not for teams like BYU. Wait, What? More on that in a moment. 16 seasons long between 1998 and 2013. In the final BCS season, what a run of bowl games. I, I, don't, I don't know if the BCS could have gone out with more luster because now there's kind of this feeling like, well, may, maybe it, uh, it wasn't miss, so bad. Those, miss, those, miss were, BCS, yeah, those were good games. Is Billy Madison there? <laughs> I love the game this year! <laughs> it was really good this year. I, I, I mean, every one of those games was fantastic. Exciting, down to the wire, some upsets. I mean, those, those were good. Those were good. Can you name a bad BCS game this year? No. That's They're what, all good. They were all good, yeah. When has that happened? See, the, the issue with the BCS has been, are you actually pitting the top two teams together? And sometimes you have a rematch, like LSU and Alabama. And sometimes that rematch is a little boring because it's not everyone's cup of tea in terms of style. So a college football playoff will give the chance for four teams to compete instead of two. Now, there were several years where there were other teams deserving of getting in. Boise State went undefeated twice without having a shot. Stuff like that. Uh, Now, with four teams, you would hope that a Boise State-type team would get an opportunity. Now, Boise State and Utah were the only ones that really deserved a shot if there was a four-team playoff, which we'll dive into in a moment. But uh, the BCS ended up, after all is said and done after this year, You've kind of 
end with a good vibe, but don't forget how one and two were decided. I think we're going to go to what basketball does, which is a committee of people will discuss, they'll weigh things. I They're going to produce their own little poll during the year, which will be interesting. But I, I like it. I wish it was six with two buys or an eight. Uh, eventually, you know it's going to go to that. They money. Have, money. It's they, all about money. Dollar, dollar bills, y'all. There's a 12-year contract, but it's it's six guaranteed, and then they could they could see what happens after six, so through 2019. So I'm excited to see what happens with this new college. The name of it is College Football Playoff. It is what it is, right? Yes. Call it what it is. It is what it is. Now, it you could argue that the conference championship games in the Big Ten and the Pac-12 and the SEC are kind of like the round before the college football playoff. Yes, yes, the quarterfinals. It could work out that way. What I'm most excited about is the four best college football teams in America, as determined by a panel, are going to be involved. Like This is good. No longer is the Alabama team that loses one game late in the season but are still ranked third or fourth left out of the equation. They still have an opportunity to rebound. And I like that. I like it. What I don't like is that losing a BCS formula is not necessarily a good thing for a team like BYU. Because without the BCS, and you just talked about this a little bit, there is no Utah. There is no Boise State. No Hawaii. No TCU Rose Bowl champion. No Hawaii would have been fine with me. No Northern Illinois, which also I would not have been that upset about. But Boise State, TCU, Utah... I enjoyed watching that. I enjoyed watching TCU play in the Rose Bowl. And winning. That was a great thing for college football, to mix it up. And without the BCS formula, that doesn't happen. Right. There were 10 teams involved in the major bowls. It wasn't a playoff, but the playoff-type bowls, right? Now it's just going to be four. So you eliminate it. And what are BYU's chances of actually getting into that? More on that in a moment. The 10-team BCS situation, which it was eight for a long time, they created a, the championship game, which was different from the others, expanded to 10. There was an opportunity there for teams like BYU. And so BYU's chances lessen greatly to be involved in this. There's so many people across the country, and myself included at one point, the BCS is terrible. This is a joke. You know what? For some teams, yes. It's... It's stupid. Auburn. They made enough adjustments to make you feel better about it. Auburn in 2003, when they go undefeated with Jason Campbell, they're left out of the equation. Utah finishes number two after a Sugar Bowl win in 2008. They don't get a shot. Boise State goes undefeated twice. No shot for the Broncos. So people are like, well, it's a, it's a jaded formula. This is stupid. But you know what? Boise State's not even in a prominent bowl game without it. And BYU doesn't even have a chance to become the quote-unquote, BCS buster. There's no opportunity there if the formula is not in place. So while it's gone and I'm excited as a college football fan, now it's kind of a fluid situation, uh, not, not a sure foundation for teams that are not in major power college football conferences, which is why I think we'll see a shift to those 16-team power conferences uh, at some point in the future, and we'll see an expansion in the playoff probably to at least eight teams. I think that's going to happen. Right now, I'm happy as a fan to watch what happens in the college football playoff, but as a 
a person that wants to see BYU do well and teams like BYU succeed against major college football programs, I don't know if losing the BCS is such a miraculous thing, like the the best thing. The BCS did some good things for college football. I don't prefer it, but we have to recognize that it's not that bad. It put mid-majors on the map. Here's my issue. Why did it take 16 years to feel this way about the BCS? Why did it take so long? Why can't you ID a problem and fix it? It took a long time, and it's still an elitist thing, right? Oh, we'll make an exception for the rest of you, right? Well, how about everyone just gets a fair shot? If you're good, you're good, right? Whether your name's Boise State or it's Alabama. So as a college football fan, I'm excited for the playoff. An eight-team playoff will be better than a four, and it'll feel better and be what hopefully I think what America wants. But guess what? Four is great for now. Four is great. Let's do it. Let's see it. Once the once the four are announced next year, by the way, let's go to eight. It's going to happen right away. Yes. It's going to happen right once away. Once people get an idea of how much money and how much exposure these games are going to get, sponsors, university presidents, it's it's just going to happen. Because the interest is there, the money will be there, and the expansion is going to happen. But for now, we'll stick with the four-team playoff. So, BCS, good long, or goodbye, our friend, and good luck. Topic two. Hello, college football playoff. Playoffs? Playoffs? That's right. We're talking about a playoff. Four teams determined by a committee, and you will have... I think, Jeremy, you were saying that the games are going to happen on either New Year's Day or New Year's Eve over the next few years? Yeah, so New Year's Eve next year, the Rose and the Sugar will host awesome. the semifinals. Then the next two years, they'll actually be on New Year's Eve. Dude, be- my New Year's Eve just got that, like, 20 times better. Because the the Rose and the Sugar want to maintain their New Year's Day bowl games, whether they're the semifinal host or not. There are there are actually six games, in six bowl games involved in the uh, in the BCS, or sorry, in the college football playoff, and the Chick Fil A Bowl somehow got involved in that. By the way, <laughs> Chick Fil A must be doing something right. Sugar, Rose, Orange, Cotton, Chick Fil A, and Fiesta. So you're five BCS plus Chick Fil A. Here's why I love it: two SEC teams will likely be involved. Guess what? It could be four. It doesn't matter. There's no stipulation on. The BCS said you can have max two from a conference. There's none of that. Who are the best four teams, and let's play them off. Let them play. It creates more buzz for college football, if that's possible, after this year. it's already, Football's already peaking. The NFL, bowl games, and all this stuff. It, it, the ratings were off the chart last night, and it's going to create even more buzz. That's incredible. Like, football is king, and it, the rule just becomes that much more dominant. At some point, this gets too much. At what point does football Seriously, fade? Seriously, where, do, where does like it drop? Like, the Roman Empire has to cease at some point. Like, football's <laughs> got to... At some point, it's too big. Does it plateau? But the college football playoff takes it to another level. It, that, it changes the game. Okay, so for, for BYU to even be considered... As one of the nation's elite, we're not even getting to the point where they're making this college football playoff if they catch lightning in a bottle. But how are they even considered as one of the nation's elite? And it's not just being ranked. I'm ultimately after um, the 
on the football stage, and that's what we're talking about now, is a national championship. And and you're not in the con- consideration or conversation for that unless you're in the top 25 as a minimum on a consistent basis, which we normally are. Once you start hitting the top 10 frequently against the schedule we had, let's say that you win 10 against that uh, schedule. Well, that clearly puts you in the conversation for significant bowl games, um, for significant consideration for the following season, and that's what we're after. Bronco Mendenhall joining BYU Sports Nation and talking about how BYU starts to get in those circles, those elite college football circles, and its consistency and being ranked, but now you move from getting into the top 25 to consistently being ranked in the top 10. And that's just the precursor to trying to get into this college football playoff. It is really, really difficult as a team not in the SEC or the Pac-12 or the Big 12 to make a case to get into the final, final four of college football. I don't want to be Debbie Downer. I'll be Randy Realist. I just don't see BYU in the college football playoff in the future. I don't see, I don't see non-Power 5. As of today, the American is not one of those six now. It's five. Uh, conferences. Uh, I don't see BYU in the mix. I just don't. When BYU just doesn't have the depth to compete at that level. When Jordan Johnson has an ACL tear and Trenton Trammell has an ACL tear, and then your secondary, you, you're playing guys who have worked really hard to come back and be a part of the program. Mike Hague, a sixth-year senior. Sky Povey, a fifth-year guy who overcame injury. I just don't see BYU being able to compete at that level with uh, the lack of depth in the secondary like that. That's no That's no lack of effort by those individuals for BYU. I'm not dogging on Sky Povey and Mike Hague. I'm saying as a program, to compete at that level, it's going to be tough w- when those kinds of injuries have those kinds of effects. Now, let, let, let's just think about other teams like, like uh, Oklahoma State, like Texas A&M, like USC. These teams are not even in that upper echelon right now let alone a BYU that hasn't been ranked for a couple of seasons. Let's go back to the 80s, even. Let's go, the, modern day. Let's go back to 06, 7, 9, the John Beck, the Maxwell teams. Top 20 teams. Those are, they finish top 15 after they go 1 and 2, and then they win the rest. Or in the case, uh, one, two of those seasons, that was the case. Those teams aren't even considered. For BYU to be in the top four, undefeated two years in a row, you have to do it's the Boise State model. The Boise State model. And that's exactly what Bronco Mendenhall has recognized. With their new tougher independent schedule, not going undefeated once, but going undefeated twice. That's what he told BYU Sports Nation. We'll have to be undefeated just to to be brutal uh, and honest about it. Um we uh we won't have a conference championship game that will that will vault us into that, um, even if there's one loss or something, even though we're going to play very difficult teams um, in very unique venues and mostly um, the more difficult the opponent on the road, um, we'll need to be undefeated. And, and that'll get us um, – they would have a hard time, the selection committee I'm talking about, overlooking us if we're undefeated with the schedule that we're playing. I couldn't agree more. But going undefeated two times in a row with those schedules – really, really difficult. That's why they call it lightning in a bottle. It's not saying that BYU can't do it. And I know, Jeremy, you're not saying that BYU can't do it. You're a huge BYU I just don't think it's likely. Lifelong fan. But you are a realist. And I understand that. But we can certainly root for it, right? Yeah. I Listen, if BYU's not in the semifinals ever, I, I'm not unhappy as a BYU fan. BYU never made it to the BCS. 
Does that mean I'm angry? About- no, I, I'm fine with that. The fact that Utah went twice, though, now that fires me up a little bit, right? <laughs> yes. Utah did it twice, went undefeated. So, that, so as a BYU fan, then saying, hey, we can do it then if they did it, right? Here's the deal. It's okay. It's, it's okay if BYU never goes to that semifinal. That's fine. Have good seasons. Get double-digit wins. When you play Utah, beat them. Win your bowl game. I'm happy. I'm happy forever. Now, BYU's schedule next year is not as hard as this year. So let's say BYU goes undefeated next year. They beat Texas, probably ranked in Game 2. They beat Central Florida, who lose their quarterback and running back, Blake Bortles, Storm Johnson. Who knows if they're ranked? You play Boise State. Who knows if they're ranked at that point? If you finish undefeated with next year's schedule... You're ranked in the top 15. Yes. You're not top four. But listen, you just be happy because you won all your games, you did the best you could, and you're, you're relevant. And here's the good thing as we wrap up this college football playoff discussion. BYU, although the BCS is disassembling, going away, there is more of an opportunity now for the Cougars to play in those other major bowl games because things start to open up when there's not as stringent as ties as they've had within the BCS model, now BYU can sneak into some other bowl games. And with ESPN backing the Cougars, that means good things for the future. Whether they're in the, We're not talking about the four-team playoff. Like BYU has more of an opportunity to branch out and see new bowl games and new opportunities. So that is a good thing. Yes, absolutely. And next year's schedule, uh, BYU should win double-digit games and should... Be ranked. You know, the top four The top four is a stretch. We're talking about the best BYU's ever played in the 80s. Those teams would have been considered. But it's a new era. It's different. It's more elitist. BYU was, had more street cred in the 80s than they have now, even uh, if they won the same amount of games. Time to get it back. That's right. Our Twitter question today is, fill in the blank. My lasting BCS impression is... We'll get to some of your responses coming up next. Also, up next, is Matt Carlino coming off the bench permanent? Former BYU star Travis Hansen gives us his opinion next, plus midseason grades from the former NBA guy. You're listening to BYU Sports Nation. We'll be back with more BYU Sports Nation right after this. This is Taysom Hill, and you are listening to BYU Sports Nation. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. The BCS era gone. Ushering in the new college football playoff and another transformation in the ever-evolving landscape of what we know as college football. Spencer Linton, Jerem Jordan here. Follow the show on Twitter at BYU Sports Nation. You can also follow us at Spencer underscore Linton and at Jerem Jordan. The BYU Sports Nation account just tweeted out the never-too-early top 25 poll for 2014. And guess where Taysom Hill and the BYU Cougars fall in that never-too-early top 25 poll, Jerem? 25. That is correct. Number 25. So the Cougars, while they finish 8-5 and five with a loss to now currently ranked 25th ranked uh, Washington. I just said ranked twice from the Department of Redundancy Department. Uh, <laughs> they have respect because they bring back star players, star power, and they were on the national scene through ESPN and through their schedule. Here's, here's what they say. Why number 25? Because after struggling at times against stout schedules, the Cougar slate turns easy 
in 2014. As of today, the toughest games seem to come against UCF and Texas, two teams with question marks of their own heading into the offseason. A little bit more there. Check out the link uh, at BYU Sports Nation. But interesting. Interesting. I like it. I do. It's a positive See, spin. getting ranked is the only meaningful national context BYU football has. There you go. It's the only way. You don't have a conference championship. So get ranked. Now the basketball team has to get ranked. Thursday and Saturday, men's hoops play a pair of revenge games against Pepperdine and Loyola Marymount. Both are at 9 Eastern live on BYU TV and BYU Radio. With that, we welcome Travis Hansen, former BYU Cougar hoopster to BYU Sports Nation. Travis, welcome to the show. Awesome. Good morning. Thanks for having me. What did you think of uh, last night's championship game and the BCS? Um, well, nobody likes the BCS, right? But everyone <laughs> likes the We just yeah, talked about how we kind of liked it this year. Everybody loves the championship game. I loved, I loved seeing Alabama get beat and Ohio get beat. And, you know, you always uh, dream that championship games go down to the wire and are very competitive. Last year's wasn't, and this year's was phenomenal. This is, this is perfect. Travis Hansen, former BYU basketball standout, NBA guy, joining BYU Sports Nation. In fact, making his uh, BYU Sports Nation debut. Travis, I know you follow BYU basketball very closely. You're uh, clearly passionate about the Cougars and the direction of the program. We're going to ask you uh, to give them a midseason grade. We're at the midseason point, about 16 games in, so so roughly halfway there. They're nine and seven. They have some good wins. They have some bad losses. On a scale of A to F, like you would get in school. What do you grade the BYU basketball team right now? Oh, man, that's tough. That's tough. I hate to throw grades at, uh, at teams when they're, you know, halfway through the season, and they got a lot of improvement to do. You know, you can you can see what Coach Rose and the staff are trying to do. You know, they're trying to find some chemistry, and they're trying to find, you know, the right guys, the right, the right time to play together. Um, I blame it all on the Oregon game. I think we were playing really, really confident. We came out and played really, really hard many games. And the Oregon game is a, is, a, is a must win. We were in the position to win it. And, you know, we made some costly mistakes. And I think, I think the team really lost their confidence and, and lost, their, uh, lost their energy. And that, that went on to, to hurt them in the next four or five games. I agree with you. I, I was at the game and I felt like uh, a piece of BYU's soul uh, was lost there because they had, they had played so well on the road against a good team and uh, couldn't pull it out. And I think something happened there, kind of broke their back a little bit, and that kind of played into what happened to LMU and Pepperdine. But one of those adjustments that you mentioned that Coach Rose made was to put Matt Carlino on the bench, bring him off the bench, bring some firepower that way, and put Skylar Halford in the starting lineup. How many times have you seen a role player just come in and score 20-plus in a game like that? Well, not very, not very many times. Uh, it reminds me of Trent Whiting. Trent Whiting uh, transferred down from the U and midseason uh, came out and I think he scored 21 points the first game he, he played. And he had that energy and that fire and he's, he's a little bit you know, smaller and skinny like Halford is and has that same kind of body, um, but he plays with, with amazing tenacity and energy. You know, basketball so uh, so even kill. You know, you never have, you don't have LeBron James's or Kobe Bryant's are so much better than the next guy. So a lot of a lot of wins and losses are dictated by by energy and and aggressiveness. And and so Halford helps us with, helps us with that. And he's been playing great. Love watching him play. And and he's a success story from from Orem, where I come from. 
Travis Hansen joining BYU Sports Nation, former BYU basketball standout and NBA guy. Uh, Travis, you were firsthand at Boom Shakalaki. You watched Skylar Halford win the three-point contest, and you also judged the dunk contest because you had uh, your fair share of high-flying dunks as a BYU Cougar. Let's take you back to the game against San Diego. Eric Mika gets his first breakaway opportunity and and blows a tire. How, How would you have judged that dunk from Eric Mika? I'm just glad he really didn't get hurt. I mean, <laughs> that's, that's scary, and uh, um, I've seen that happen a lot. I've seen it happen a lot of a lot of teammates and, and opponents that you know you get excited and you lose your footing and you know you either slip or you sprain an ankle or hurt a knee and you know. So I was glad that he didn't get hurt. Did you ever um, do that, Travis? It's never happened to me. <laughs> never happened to me. I, I go in a little bit slower. Some of these guys, you know, those first couple steps. You know, or, or they take it a little too aggressive, and I think I think Mika just kind of lost his footing there. But I'm glad he's okay, and hopefully he plays next game. I brought it up yesterday on the show, the whole Elder 8-mile nickname that you had. Can you take us back and tell us a little bit about how that came to be and what you thought of it? Well, you know, I was uh, had really blonde hair at BYU, and, and obviously Eminem, the hip-hop artist, was popular at the time, and so... And so uh, I think it all started at the U. I went up there my junior year and played. And, and uh, I think an article had just come out by Gordon Monson in the Salt Lake Tribune. I talked a lot about my mission. And so obviously, you know, as a missionary, you're, they're called Elder. And then they use your surname. And so they, they, they stuck Elder 8 Mile to me and <laughs> followed me a lot of my career, actually. I got asked about it all over in the NBA and, and overseas. And, and uh you know, it's fun. I mean, it, I guess it goes to show that people care. It's better that they care than they don't care, and they give you nicknames. I think I had a lot of nicknames, and and uh, some good and some not so good, but you know, at least they at least they know who you are, right? Absolutely. Travis Hansen joining BYU Sports Nation. I know a lot of uh, BYU fans uh, across the country and the world are interested in what you're doing right now. So what does uh, life have in store for Travis Hansen right now? You know, I'm in a... Uh, I'm in a fun part of my life. We have four four children. We just had a another little boy about two months ago. Congratulations! Thank you. We're in the newborn stage, and and it just brings a special spirit in your home, and and um, we love it. We love being parents. We're trying to enjoy the moment. Uh, when we start to get ready for bedtime, that's a little bit harder, <laughs> but uh, it's super fun. I'm coaching my son, um, fifth grade, and my other boys in kindergarten. Plan to coach him and. I spend a lot of time doing that. I spend a lot of time with our foundation, the Sunshine Heroes, and then um, I'm, I'm, I'm building my hand in business. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm trying to get better at it, <laughs> um, but you know, I'm, 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 I'm enjoying those roles as a father and, and uh, I guess a businessman per se. Well, fantastic stuff, Travis. I, I asked this of Jackson Emery the other day. If uh, Dave Rose said, hey, we found a loophole in your eligibility and we want you to play the rest of the year, Thursday against Pepperdine, how many minutes do you go and what do you do in the game? Oh, man, I'm, I'm probably out of shape. If, if it was skiing, I might do a little bit better uh, or surfing. Um, I, would, I would jump in in a heartbeat. I'd throw those, that jersey on. I'd, I'd go old man style. I'd at least get three, four fouls, play a little bit dirty. <laughs> <laughs> um, would you score? We'd. I don't know if I'd. I don't know if I'd score. I don't know how well I would play, but I can tell you this: we'd win the game. There oh, you go. That, and that's all that matters. Shoot the all three. If you go, old man, shoot the three, and uh, sort of, kind of play D, right? 
throughout my career, you know, I, I, I focused on defense. I uh, went to Spain and saw a couple guys, Lithuanian guys, long hair, ugly, skinny. <laughs> they, could, they could score. They were amazing offensive players, and they were making about four times what I was making and uh, money-wise. And so I learned really quickly that defense doesn't pay as much as offense. <laughs> so, so then I, I adjusted and tried to become a better, much better offensive player. And um, but in the end, the most important thing is is winning. Any GM, any coach, you know, they want someone that'll help them win games, and and that's that's a whole different set of qualities. How does that work when you're a former uh, professional player in the NBA and internationally at BYU? Like, do you play church basketball? Do you play pickup? No, no, I don't play too much pickup. Uh, I spend most of my time coaching. I'll, I'll I'll go down with Chad Lewis and Jeremy Guthrie and and Brian Santiago. We play once in a while in the mornings at Vivint or, or BYU, but most of the time uh, I don't play that much anymore. If you're into surfing, and I know you said you were, you should call John Beck because I know that, uh, that that's he's got that going on in San Diego. So maybe we can line that up on BYU Sports Nation, a surfing connection for Travis Hansen and John Beck. How'd you feel um, about that? Oh, I love it. We just got back from California over Christmas break, and I, I think something went wrong. I think I was supposed to be born in California, and I don't know what <laughs> happened, but... I really, really enjoy it. You can't, you can't, you can't be at the beach and not be happy. It's impossible. Travis Hansen joining BYU Sports Nation. Okay, we're going to play the lightning round, Travis, in terms of BYU basketball. So short answers right here, and some will be true or false. Um, but yeah, just just looking for quick answers here. BYU basketball, true or false, still has a chance to win a regular season West Coast Conference title. What do you think? True or false? NCAA tournament is still a possibility for this team as well. True or false? True. What seed does BYU take into the West Coast Conference tournament? What seed? Yeah. Oh. My, uh, ten, or, ten, ten to the highest. Oh, NC, the NCAA tournament, ten to the highest? Okay. In the conference tournament, where do they finish? Are they the top seed or is Gonzaga? Where does BYU finish in the regular season in the West Coast Conference? Third. Okay, there you go. Lightning round wrapped up with Travis Hansen. Uh, you mentioned the Sunshine Heroes Foundation, and uh, we'd like to know a little bit more about that and, and how you're involved. What, what's going on right there? So when we lived in Russia, my wife uh, began volunteering for orphanages, with orphanages and holding babies, and, and there's, there's quite a few uh, problems there with, with children, social orphans, and, and, and et cetera. So we, so we started a little Heroes Foundation uh, soon after that, we partnered with Nature Sunshine Products, a local company uh, uh, with amazing people and, and, a, and a very interesting industry. And, and um, so, you know, due to our partnership with them, we've, we've, we've now changed the name from Little Heroes to Sunshine Heroes. And we, we do things all around the world. You know, it's, it's wonderful. It makes, it makes you very happy to see um, the people you've, you've tried to help and bring a smile and hope to their, to their life. Um, so we have an orphanage. In a hospital in Russia, we have a health clinic in Nepal. We have two schools in Africa. We've uh, we've organized and done 50 schools with, for clean water in China, and then we just did 250 clean water project in Thailand. And so we've been super busy over seven years. We probably helped well, an estimated over 250,000 people and, and gave gave away over $600,000. And and um, and it's just the generosity of amazing people. You know. They kind of put 
my wife and I as the face of the foundation, and but we we don't we don't do near as much work as everyone else, and and it takes a takes an army to really help people and and to uh, give them hope. So we're just happy to be a part of it. It makes us feel really good about ourselves. It makes our family really humble and thankful for what we do have, and it makes us want to live a more simple life. You go to Thailand, and you see that water is making, you know, families sick, you know, young kids to moms and dads, and and impossible to go to school and hold a job because of the the, the, the dirtiness of the water, and, and just by providing a biofilter, you know, uh, clean water um, shield, which is basically you fill it with water, and and it filters it out. It lasts for about uh, that water. You can fill it up for about a month, and then that, those filters last for 25 years. And each filter costs us $200. And so for $200, you can help basically change the life of a family and and give them hope and happiness and a healthy life. And and so it just makes us really thankful to be a part of when when you know we're worried about so many different things over here in America and in Thailand. You know they're just trying to get healthy. Well, that. That's fantastic, and those numbers are astounding. Uh, great work uh, with the Sunshine Heroes Foundation, and fun to talk some BYU hoops with you. It was fun to see you at Boom Shakalaka. Hopefully uh, we see you around uh, BYU hoops some more. Thanks for the time, Travis. You guys are awesome. Love BYU. Thank you. Thanks, Travis. Thanks, Travis Hansen. Up next, an All-American, Taylor Sander of the BYU volleyball team, joins our show, making his show debut to get you set for the Cougars' home debut against Northridge this Friday. This is BYU Sports Nation. Stay with us. We'll have more BYU Sports Nation right after this. This is BYU Sports Nation on the BYU Radio Sports Network. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation. BYU Radio live from Studio 2 at BYU Broadcasting. Spencer Linton and Jaron Jordan here. We're talking BCS. Goodbye to the BCS. Hello to the college football playoff. Just got done talking to Travis Hansen, former BYU basketball standout. Had an NBA career, also uh, a career in European League basketball. And in Russia. We didn't even talk about Russia with him. And doing some great work with the Sunshine Heroes Foundation. Travis Hansen, uh, longtime supporter and lifelong supporter of BYU basketball and BYU athletics. Resetting some of our top stories. The BCS is gone, but boy, did it go out with a bang. Florida State over Auburn, 34-31. You know, it's funny. Nick Saban was involved in ESPN's broadcast. So he puts Alabama still at the front of the map. In even, an Auburn game. Even though his team is not directly Fantastic. Involved. Super smart. So good move by Nick Saban. Good college football analyst. He said Auburn would need 35, 35. points in the pregame. He's like, I think they're going to need 35 because Florida State's going to score. Auburn will need to score 35 to win the game. Sure enough, Florida State scores 34. Listen, everyone's forgetting the real difference. Red lightning! <laughs> if you didn't see the ball boy... Who looks like BYU fan Bean Mace, by the way. If you're unfamiliar with who that is, just look him up on Twitter. Fantastic. <laughs> Red bearded dude, little heavier set, sprinting down the sideline. He, the, There was this still image of him running down the sideline with Jameis Winston in the first half at the end of the half. Fantastic. So good. There is a YouTube highlight video of Red Lightning. Of Red Lightning. And... Uh, Michael Miner at uh, McMinn5, he says, we need, uh, we need a BYU equivalent. We, we, need, we need a BYU red lightning. He said, I'd go with blue dart. 
Oh no! Or the oh, blue, the blue flame, blue flame. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yep. That's on me. That's on me because that dry fly ache. Yeah, he said blue dart. That's something oh. else. <laughs> That's something else. Yeah. Okay. Mark that down as one of the greatest moments Nailed in it. BYU Sports Nation. <laughs> hey, next season, BYU, according to the USA Today, will start in the top 25. How about that? The never-too-early top 25 poll that comes out the day after the national championship, the BYU Cougars, led by Taysom Hill and Jamal Williams. Get mentioned in something... At number 25. Very nice. I like it. And like you said, that's the only... A way to judge success for BYU football as an independent right now immediately is the top 25 rankings. I'll be surprised if BYU's ranked in in the real polls when they come out, but it's nice to be mentioned. That's good. To be in the conversation. Friday night, the ninth-ranked BYU men's volleyball team plays its first home match of the year against Northridge. Yeah, watch it live on BYU TV and BYU Radio. With that, we welcome in Taylor Sander, BYU volleyball three-time All-American. Taylor, welcome to BYU Sports Nation. You know, I'm excited to be here. This is this is a cool thing to do. Taylor, uh, have you been on the radio? I haven't been on the radio. You've been on TV a lot. So it's I've ha- been on TV. It's half of that. It's just the audio. It's half, half the pressure, too. <sighs> it is half the pressure. There's no cameras. <laughs> In a couple months, there will be on the show. We're going to be on TV. Let's do it. Taylor, uh, you went to Chicago. First off, uh, that was cold. You played a couple of volleyball matches. Uh, what was that experience like as a whole? It was cold. I mean, it was... It was a good learning experience for our team. We didn't do so well, but I think we learned a lot, and that was very important for us, and it's going to make us a lot more hungry for this weekend. One of the key components of your team last year is Ben Patch. He's now on a mission. What have you done to replace him as the, the program tries to move forward? You know, it's hard to replace Ben, but, you know, you got to try. And there's we're trying to fill out spot with as many people as we can and see who's going to get the job done over there. So we... We don't know who's who's going to be there yet, but we're going to figure out figure it out soon. Have you written him on his mission yet? I have. He's you have. A, I have written him on. You his mission. You are a good friend. I hope I am. <laughs> <laughs> and he's in uh, Columbus, right in the shadow Columbus, of Ohio, Ohio State. Yeah. So uh, hopefully BYU plays Ohio State when he returns in a couple of years. <laughs> when you talked about the opposite position. That's going to be huge this year, and to me, that's the number one question: is who is who is that guy? How do you replace Ben? Um, Tim Dobbert, a, a German you bring in. Uh, you bring in a Bulgarian whose name I can't pronounce. How do you say it? Kirill. Like Kirill with a K. Kirill. Kirill, okay. Uh, you throw in Jake Langois in there. So guys that no fans are really familiar with. Uh, who's impressed uh, and who's, I guess, is there anyone else in the mix for that? Yeah, I mean, we have Tim Dobbert. He went down with the ankle sprain against... Uh, Winnipeg, which is was unfortunate we didn't get to see him play against Loyola or Lewis, but he's a big kid, um, really polished volleyball player, and I think he could get the job done over there. But this this last weekend we had a uh, Kirill on the opposite, and he, you know he brings a lot of fire. He's not as big or athletic as Tim, but you know he's a, he's a good volleyball player. He has a lot of European experience, and then. Yeah, well, recently we moved Jake to the outside, so he was a middle. Now he, then he went to right side, and now he's an outside hitter. And uh, you know that kid's gonna be really good. He's uh he learns fast, and he doesn't have too much experience. How's the English of uh, Curiel and Tim? How do you communicate on the court? You know we've had to deal with Josue 
for uh, <laughs> for a couple of years the now. Puerto Rican. So we're used to. I mean, they, they know English. They speak it. You know, they say some things where we're like, uh, "What are you saying there, bud?" But uh, in the in the heat of battle, you know. That's yeah, tough. I mean, it, it's 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 hard every once in a while, but they're. I mean, we deal with it, and they're they're good at it. So, outstanding BYU volleyballer Taylor Sander joining BYU Sports Nation. I'm not sure there's a program at BYU that has higher expectations consistently from year to year because this program has, has won three national championships. Uh, you started the season ranked top five. What's it like to play on a team that's expected to win all the time? You know, I love it. I love winning, and I love BYU, and uh, it's awesome to be a part of a program where we're doing both and we're winning and and that kind of stuff. So it's a, it's a, it's for sure a blessing and. You know, I've loved every every year that I've been here, and yeah, I wouldn't take it back for anything. Last year was magical in a lot of ways, winning the MPSF regular season, the conference tournament, getting to the national title match. What do you guys expect uh, with a lot of lot of the guys back here in 2014? You know, it's going to be a good season. Uh, I'm excited for it. I know last week didn't go very well, but I think we're just going to get better every each week, you know, and uh, work our butts off in practice, that kind of stuff, too to work towards that national championship. So it's going to be, you know, a really long but enjoyable season. Yeah, it goes all the way to May, so buckle up. <laughs> Loy- you played at Loyola. That's the site of the, I say Final Four, the, the tournament expanded. Let's talk about that in a sec. But did you envision yourself over the weekend returning there to play in the Final Four since they host? Yeah, actually, as soon as I walked in the gym, that's what I was feeling. I was like, okay, I'm going to be back here. This is where I could potentially win my first national championship with my team. So it was, it was a cool feeling, and you know it's a really nice arena. It's going to be fun be, going back there. What type of a coach is uh, Coach McGowan playing for him? What, what's he like outside of practice and, and as you travel with him? You know, outside of practice, he's a great guy. He's, a, he's our friend. I mean, we could joke around with him, be ourselves. He knows us, uh, so we're not trying to hide anything from him. Um, but, you know, he demands a lot from us uh, on and off the court. So, I mean, he's a, he's a good guy, a good coach. I mean, are you, like, discussing dates with him and, and, and stuff like that? For sure. I mean, <laughs> I mean we're really open about that stuff. <laughs> Who's the most social player on the team? Most social player on the team? Well, Ben Patch is on a mission. I was going to uh, say, so, Ben's up. A- yeah, I don't know this year. I mean, we have so many different guys. Uh, I'd say Jalen Reyes. I mean, he's... Everywhere, always talking about dating volleyball. Sierra Parker, dating from the volleyball women's volleyball player. player. The liberos are dating. Yeah, I mean he's he loves every single sport. He he could probably do your guys' job for you. Um, <laughs> but you know he don't get any ideas. <laughs> yeah, no, but yeah, Jalen is everywhere. He's in the like you could talk to him about basketball, football. He knows where every player went to high school, and then on top of that, you know he's really good friends with athletes from each sport at this school. Taylor Sander, All-American volleyball player for BYU, joining BYU Sports Nation. You have Cal State Northridge coming in uh, this weekend. You're on your home court for the first time. What are you anticipating in the Smithfield House? I'm anticipating a big crowd. Uh, I mean, it's there's no place like like the Field House. Uh, I know op- the season opener is always sold out pretty much, and uh, I can't wait. It's It's so fun playing there, and yeah, let's do it. I mean, you've played for Team USA and other countries and in big tournaments and that kind of thing. How does the Smithfield House, when it's packed, compare to those environments? You know, it's the best place I've ever played volleyball play, or volleyball in. I mean, hmm. 
the the fans are great. You're signing autographs all the time. It's like you're a professional athlete. And so, I mean, I'm just lucky to be here, you know. And uh, I mean, other places have been been great to play. They're really nice facilities, brand new, but nothing compares to the packed F- Smithfield House. All right, the MPSF is loaded everywhere. A lot of people call it the. If you look at college football, it's, it's kind of like the SEC. Like it's just so tough and such a grind to get through. What teams are you anticipating this year will uh, present BYU the biggest challenges? You know, I think every team is. I mean, our conference is that good. I mean, you have the Long Beach, you have Irvine, you have UCLA, USC. I mean, and then that's just a couple of teams. But each team is gonna is gonna pose a threat, and you know, it's gonna be a battle night in and night out. Luckily, yeah, it, this year the NCAA tournament expanded, and it's it's been a while, but at least your senior year you get the expansion. So now, in theory, three MPSF teams could get in. So if you stumble in the regular season or even the conference tournament, you've got a shot. How does that change things for you guys? You know, it's exciting. Uh, I mean, it's it's hard to get to the Final Four. Uh, we we were there last year, and we knew what it took to get there. And, I mean, it, it's it's really difficult. And so the fact that they expanded it is, is great for the sport, and it's going to make teams even hungrier, uh, especially those that are not, you know, number one or number two in the nation and – who win the conference tournament. Okay, I want you to compare two things for me. Which is better, a dominating kill inside the 10-foot line or a solo block? I would have to say a solo block. Um, you know, it, 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 it brings a lot of energy. I mean, bouncing a ball in the 10-foot line is a crowd pleaser. All the girls like it. But, uh, <laughs> That's but, what know, matters. Yeah. Nailed it. <laughs> but getting a solo block is... It's exciting, and I I know, you know, having players like Futi Tavana and uh, Russell Vaya and Robbie Stowell, you know, every time we get a big block in the field house, the place goes nuts. And I think I think that's a that's for sure uh, something that I I appreciate more. Is anything weird said in that moment? Like I always see, like let's go, you know, that kind of thing. But does anyone say like something random in those celebratory moments after a kill or a block? Yeah, I I'm usually the player that does that. Actually, I'll say some weird things, and people will look at me like, <laughs> "Are you really saying that right now?" Because we're in the heat of the battle. You know, I try and keep things really relaxed on the court. Say jokes to the guys. You know, in between serves and stuff like that. So I mean, so, so what are you saying? I mean, I I say like Jalen. I can't wait to hang out with you at the at the apartment later, <laughs> or something like, yeah, let's go swimming after the game. I said stuff like that, just like so. He's like, wait, kind of what? So his mindset isn't like, oh, I, need, I don't want to shake this ball. It's kind of like, what the heck? Taylor's playing really, really loose right now. But that's what I try and do out there. That's funny. I've always wondered that sitting courtside. What is being said in the moment? Hey, yeah, uh, let's uh, let's go let's go swimming. You want to get some hot chocolate after the game? <laughs> I gotta ask you about your uh, your younger brother, Brendan has signed uh, to play at BYU next year so a Sander will play for eight more or four more years eight years total what does that mean to have your brother come to BYU next year it's awesome that means I get to you know watch every game even though I was I'm going to be able to support BYU for another four years and come to some matches if I could and uh, I mean that kid's a stud and I can't wait for him to get here what's uh, in the future for you after BYU what do you think I want to go play pro play with the USA team um That'd be a dream for me, and uh, to just try and play volleyball for as long as I can because it's been such a big part of my life. And so, I mean, to leave it would be 
would be a shame, so I want to stay around it for as long as I can. Who's the best player in BYU volleyball history, in your opinion? There have been so many good players. Uh, you know, Ozzy Antonetti, big role model of mine. My uh, favorite. Here, here at BYU, he flies. Really ex- fiery player to watch. I mean, he's there. Futi Tavana, one of my good friends. You know, he's one of the most dominant middle blockers in the world now. He's doing really well. Um, you know, there's so many. I don't know. <laughs> it's R- hard to answer. Ryan Millar? Ryan Millar, of course. You know, he's one of, he's probably one of the best middle blockers to come through here. Um, Taylor Sander? And Taylor Sander. I hope so. I mean, I, I've been working really hard. Um, I try and compete to that level at my highest level, so hopefully my name's under there one day, but, you know, you got to go out there and prove it. All right, wrapping up here with Taylor Sander, All-American Volleyballer for BYU. Last question I want to ask you is, does BYU have a rival? Like, is there? I know every team is well familiar with each other, but is there like a, a team you have circled on the schedule each year? I would have to say there's probably three. Okay. Um, and it's Long Beach. I mean, we're always so closely con- – our matches are so closely contended. And then we have UCLA. I mean, of course, the match last year kind of sparked that one a little bit. Uh, coming back to to from two down uh to to come back and win that and to be able to get back to the conference championship and then uh who else Irvine I mean they got us in the national championship I mean we we play really tough matches every year with them and so I'd have to say all three of those those teams right there Four years ago, he would not have answered that. <laughs> he did as a senior. Progress. <laughs> nice <laughs> boy, Taylor. Nice work, Taylor. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Thanks so much for the time, and uh, good luck against Northridge. Thank you. Time to whip it. It's time for the Cougar Whip Around Men's Basketball. Skyler Halford's the WCC Men's Basketball Player of the Week after his 28-point performance against San Diego on Saturday. Halford and the Cougars host Pepperdine and LMU this week, Thursday and Saturday, both on BYU TV and BYU Radio. Men's Volleyball. BYU is ninth in the latest AVCA Men's Volleyball poll after dropping its first two matches of the season last week in Illinois. The Cougars host Northridge Friday night, 9 Eastern on BYU TV and BYU Radio. Coming up tomorrow, Pepperdine head coach Marty Wilson will join the program as we get ready for the Waves and Cougars Thursday night. A rising shout goes to Red Lightning. Nice. Red-headed dude from Florida State running down the sidelines. Yes. He was good. The ball boy in America. (laughs) Our Twitter question today. My lasting BCS impression is fill in the blank. We go to at Joe Bleeker. He says, in college football, TV money is king. At CJ, here here she? Good good job. Yeah, I'll go with that. Thanks. Uh, BYU's failure to make a BCS game when TCU did it twice, Boise State twice, Utah twice, Hawaii, Northern Illinois, and weak Big East teams made it. At Big Dan 11 says, it will never get away from nickname for it. The Bullcrap Series. <laughs> Could <laughs> be worse. Thanks to our guests, Travis Hansen and Taylor Sander. You can listen to episodes of the show on demand at BYURadio.org. For Jerem, I'm Spencer, and you've just listened to BYU Sports Nation.